Spread Great Ideas is meant to increase the signal in a world awash in noise. I'm your curator and host, Brian David Crane, and it is my quest to share the learnings of the world's most interesting people, the disruptors, the outliers, the libertines, and those who've been unconventionally successful so that we can become a little bit wiser together. I am sitting here with a friend of mine, Freya Savage. I might be saying her first name wrong. It might be Freya. Freya. They both sound beautiful, actually. It's Freya. Freya. And she is a practitioner of, I would call it raw food, knows a ton about raw food. She's beautiful. She's in amazingly good shape. She also coaches people on their finances. She had a life in corporate, um, got out of that life and has now kind of come back into the corporate world in one sense, but is kind of doing it on her own terms from here in Bali and has one leg in health, one leg in diet. Those two are a lot of times tied together and then one leg in finances and making sure that your money um, house is in order, I would say. And so the first thing as I kind of wrap up the introduction for Freya here is her name is so badass because Freya is a Norse goddess of war and I don't really know all the back, all, all, all the background on Freya as a, uh, as, as a, from a Norse, Norse mythology standpoint. And then Savage is her last name. So if that doesn't give you an idea of how much <laughs> of a warrior she is. She's going to tell you, but that's, that kind of sets the context. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you know, every time someone says to me like, Oh, what does Freya mean? I want to like do a hair flick. Like as if, yeah, <laughs> like I'm in an advertisement or a movie. Um, it means there's so many different meanings to it, but my favorite is the goddess of love and beauty. I That's like that a different one. one. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. like most of the Norse gods are, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're like warrior. Mm-hmm. They kind of battling it out yeah. and different and, and I love Valhalla. This as well, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's got a, I know she's, I know that she is uh, um, a central character in Norse mythology. I don't know a lot about her, but just, right. yeah, it's a cool name. She's kind of multifaceted, okay. kind of like me. Okay. Like when you were doing the introduction, you're like a bit of this, a bit of that, not really sure. One leg in here, one leg out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Venn diagram with multiple circles and there's an overlap and you're totally. in the middle of it. And you know, I think like as humans, we are multifaceted mm. and this whole thing about, which we've spoken about briefly around like, you must be good at one thing and niche that. Mm. Um, that's very popular right now, like in the entrepreneurial world is like niche one thing and really hone in on that particular thing and go for that Mm. and like know exactly who your audience is exactly who you're marketing to can i swear on this yeah yeah sure okay good (laughs) um yeah i say fuck that like be who you want to be do what you want to do and it will all naturally flow like absolutely like you said I've got one leg in here, one leg in there. And I, I was like, actually, I put my whole body in. Like okay. I go fully into each particular area. It's not like, uh, oh, I'll just take, I'll just kind of take a little bit off the surface here and a little bit off the surface there. Like whatever I do, I dive in deep, which is why now I'm doing, you know, I'm managing raw, raw food trainings. I'm doing um, plant-based and nutrition trainings. And I'm also doing money, t- teaching people about money mindset, about, investment education because I go all in to whatever it is that I'm doing at the time. So I think that this whole idea of, you know, you, yeah, you, you must to be really good at something, you must um, focus just on one small area can be contractional 
for for some humans. Well, one th- one 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 thing I would say on that is that you have definitely you've definitely dove in deep around these areas, but in kind of sequential order, right? So, for instance, when you and I met a couple years ago, I think you were just coming to Bali, um, and you were just starting with the founder of Seeds of Life, right? And so Correct. that you were like kind of getting into mm-hmm. raw foods. Now you've mastered it. Now mm-hmm. you're teaching it to other people, mm-hmm. and I assume the same trajectory was took place with finance as well. Is that like you got into it, you learned a lot, and then you've come out and started to use it yeah, absolutely. on the back end. And then you kind of like, you, you might feel this as well, that once you get into something, you realize actually it can never be mastered. Mm. There's always more depths and nuances to it. And it's like, you know, that, that saying that the more, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it's so interesting, you know, to just unlayer. It's like work, even working through yourself, like all these layers and layers and layers and layers. And it's like the joy of the process of exploring something in relationship to yourself. Mm. So exploring wealth and how do other people do it? Like how do other people invest? How do other people manage their money? What do the experts say? And then to actually become an expert and to learn all of that and to then have a base, which is also what I teach in my programs, like when I'm helping particularly women around um, building businesses and their money mindset is first learn what the experts say. And then you can embody that and you can feel what feels good for me and what doesn't and then throw it away if you don't want it anymore. And so what is what is some of the advice that the experts say that a woman would typically take on and then okay. potentially throw away? Right. So um, let's go with the, the business side of things. Yeah. Let's say you are, um, you're launching an pro- online program. So typically the experts, you know, like Jeff Walker, mm-hmm. um, he's a master, he's incredible. And he has- He's the founder of Product Launch Formula. Right. Product yeah. Launch Formula. He has- Automate. He's an automated automation guy, and there are like all these steps to launch your um, program. But what and typically ends up happening, it does work, mind you. Yeah, it does he's work. made a lot of money doing it. Yeah, it really works. But what happens is, particularly for women, is it's not the way. It's not the feminine way. Mm. The feminine way is low tech, mm. high touch. Mm. The feminine ways to move with flow mm. rather than to have an outline strategy of what they're going to be doing every single day. Mm. And what happens if you're doing, like if you if you create a strategy, maybe at the start of the month, maybe it's a six month long, let's say launch strategy, which it doesn't need to be that long either. But let's say it is, and you know what you're doing every single day for the next six months. In my experience, what happens is you look at that and you think, oh my God, this does not feel good. Like, this is not out of inspiration. This is where's inspiration gone. And mm. you're now putting like you're cosmetizing or um, is that the right way? Like making things cosmetic. You okay. know, you're, you're, you're taking away the essence of you. Okay. And you're putting it doing into a the spreadsheet things effectively that are kind of manipulative, mm. you know? And um, why are they manipulative to come out with like a, a detailed plan? It can be manipulative in the sense of this is what has worked for other people. Okay. And this is how you'll make money. And to, and this is who you're targeting. This is the kind of price point that you want to target them. This is how you sell to them. Okay. It's like, it's so far removed from your own message of just being an artist. Okay. It's like, you're now painting 
based on what other people want you to paint mm. and pricing it at a price point that you think is going to work in the market. Mm. And you, the artist in you mm. then gets shrunk you know? So in your in your, in what you're saying, you have the artist and the feminine is effectively the same thing. Right. Okay. Correct. So then what what's the counter what's the counterpoint? The masculine is what? The operator? Yes. Or what? And absolutely you need the masculine. Yeah. You know, automation can is so is also important because it creates more space for you to be in your genius mode. Absolutely. But what can happen, particularly if you know you don't have a big team, is you end up spending a shitload of time trying to automate everything and you're no longer in genius mode. And actually what would have been the best thing for you to do and to attract your people and to get your message out and to have fun, which is the most important thing, right? Like what's the point so if you're you not having fun? It. Yeah. Yeah. So then you keep doing it and you're inspired is to just share every day, whatever you want. Mm. Like just go out and just share. Mm. Maybe it's in a, maybe it's just in a Facebook group. Maybe mm. it's a blog post, maybe it's a podcast, but to allow it to flow. The other thing is when you're in this mode of like automation and strategizing, which I'm not saying totally get rid of that. But if you're totally in that, in that world, mm. then you're not going to be able to see opportunities that come up every day. Like, for example, if today, if I had, um, let's say I was like, oh, you know, actually I can't do this podcast because I, it doesn't align with my next launch and can we do it on this other date instead? Then it's just, I'm trying to control everything. Mm. And if you allow things to move with flow, mm. And you can't. You go with the opportunities, and sometimes greater things can happen than you can even imagine. Then your strategy could even, you know, that the result of your the strategy that you want, the result you want from your strategy, mm. know that there is something even greater than that that you don't even that we don't even know. Possibly. Possibly. Or something much worse than that. Or something much worse. <laughs> but that's a mindset thing as well, right? Well, I, it is a mindset thing. I, I, I'll share. A, personal story which was mm. that um i had hired an apprentice i had a couple of apprentices here um over the past couple of months and one of the guys um was deeply a creative mm. and the business he was charged with launching two different businesses and i have a personally a creative i'm like i'm a creative but trapped in a bit of an operator's body and so he and i we, we were starting to butt heads almost immediately because he was getting to be creative, and what was left for me was operations, and I started to resent him quite fast. And not only was I starting to resent him, but I started to try to basically implement onto him um, systems and operations to sort of get me out of it, because I was I already felt overwhelmed, and I was like, this thing is going to take up even more of my time, and it's actually the time that I don't want to give it, which is operational time, not the creative time, right? And so we wound up parting ways, actually. We wound up, uh, it, it, it kind of came to a loggerhead. Mm -hmm. and it was better for us to both uh, go off and, mm -hmm. and do different things. But it was truly a testament to, I think it's very difficult if you're doing a partnership um, to be, to basically have two creatives who are in the same area trying to be creative. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a real problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, when the, the other thing is, and if you, if you employ an artist yeah. and you try and make them into operations, oh, they're going to hate it. Yeah, they're they resent going, it. They're going to resent the job. Yeah. They're going to be unhappy. And if, 
if you can, there are people out there who are great at operations. Like yep. I have a marketing guy. He loves operations, loves it. Like I actually can't talk to him for more than 30 minutes because my brain is just like, this is not exciting land for me with you. Yeah, yeah. at all. Yep. <laughs> but please go and do that. Yeah, yeah. I trust you to do <laughs> but don't, it. But don't tell me about it. Don't just like, you know, give me an update. But I don't need to know like the details around it. Um, is to, yeah, have people around you if you ha- do are building a team that are, that are operational. And if you do have creatives, then to manage them from the place of feminine, mm. which is to... To like, but still with the you know the masculine of like, okay, this is this is the outcome that we want, or this is the role, um, but allow them to do things as they want and mm. to have faith and trust in their ability. But then what can happen is, yeah, like your visions can be can, can start to um, part into different directions. Very much. And is that okay? and and to like you know always be on, um, always be in communication. Like yeah. what, what is our vision? And if their vision doesn't align with yours, it's not going to work. You can't, you, you can't put a creative in, into a box. Like I said, you know, the artist asking the artist, you can for sure give them like a, a brief, you know, and, and, and try to get their incentives into alignment. With yes. What you and get do. their incentives in alignment and yeah. get them. Ex- if you can get the artist excited yeah. and about the brief, yeah, then, then they'll be on, onto it. Yeah. But if they're not excited about it, mm. they're not going to be a great. They're not going to be a great team member and a great employee. So one of the things I've found is when dealing with creatives is that um, there is a. I think it's a mistaken belief for creatives, which is that like I'm just going to create. And you touched on it a little bit, Freya, which is that basically like if you're going to be strictly creative, you have to almost view it as. Um, almost like an airplane, which is that like you, you, you might have some fuel to get off of the runway, but at some point you're going to either need to get to cruising altitude, i.e. build a team around you for the operations, or your plane is going to come crashing back down because there's going to be a point where like you can be creative and you mm-hmm. might be super talented and get something up and off the ground. But mm-hmm. eventually there is a reason operations are important. And if you don't get high enough and get these people underneath you or in some sort of whatever trajectory around you that, that supports you, it's going to come back down. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where, you know, I've been working with some of my clients on embodying this archetype of, of the queen, mm. which is someone, she's like, yeah, she's, she's in flow and she wakes, she wakes up in, she wakes up and she moves with, with her day, but yet she still gets stuff done. She still has a teamwork who are behind her and she's still an action taker and she's still into having order. So I think that's really important. Like I have a team um, who pick up, bits you. Of, pick up bits. Yeah. I kind of leave this like, you know, this trail of crumbs behind me in different spots different ways in like a, a word document or a voice note and they kind of you know or your journal all my journal and they like pick up bits and pieces you know they're like oh I think yeah this is what Freya wants me to do mm. and so to definitely have have a team behind you but I didn't I used to have a team so I I did do strategy and operations I mean I came from financial advice it's all strategy and I, I'm still very very good at that and there is something that I really enjoy about that for mm. sure Um, but right, but right now it's not something that I need to be, to be doing. Um, so I have a team that, that do all that for me. Like you said, you know, you want to, you want to do the creative stuff. That's what's fun for you. So you want someone who does operations. Um, so you're an artist. 
trapped in a trapped in an operator's body. Right. Yeah. 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 And probably you are too, in some mm-hmm. sense, except you have just been able to move the sliding scale more towards artists than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to come out of finance being strictly an artist. There's no way. No, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, that is part of, in the finance side of things, you know, that's part of what I teach is mm. like, there's no creativity. Managing your money, don't get creative. Mm. <laughs> that's mm. not something to be creative with, you know? Mm. Like maybe 5% of your money, yeah, get creative if you want to, if you like have fun with the market or you want to invest in like, you know, small companies or be an angel investor. But don't do it with like a large amount of your money. Don't go thinking that you can outsmart the world of finance Mm. because you can't. You Mm. cannot outrun that. Mm. And why would you want to? Like focus on your own lane. Focus Mm. on what you're good at. Mm. Money and finance are there to support you. So set up the structures. Like I'm very structured with my finance my finances, particularly cash flow. Like that's the number one most important thing is to be clear on how you're managing your cash flow. And is that when people come to you for financial advice, mm-hmm. that's the is that the first thing yeah. that you have them do is break down what their monthly yeah. inflow and outflow is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not so much of like, you know, pe- people can feel contract contracted by that. Like, oh, I've never done a budget before. Oh, things change every month. Yes, of course they do. They do for me as well. But it's more, it's also, you know, on the energetic level is also to be aware of like what's coming and what's going out. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not watching it, well, how is more going to come in? Like on, you know, the more the esoteric or I, it's not really esoteric. It is practical. The money mindset stuff is imagine money that's money as a person, as a, as a lover. Okay. And you're I got, like. I got her in mind. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll get, I. I'll, I'll, I'll look at you next month mm. and you're not watching like what's coming in, what's going out. You're not grateful or even like, where is money? Why hasn't it shown up for me this month? Well, what have you been doing for money? How have you been feeling and thinking about money? How have you been treating money? How do you carry money in your wallet? Mm. How do you handle money? How do you pay for something? Are you like, oh, another bill? Or are you grateful for the service that's being provided? Mm. Do you feel like money's going to run out? Or do you trust that to have faith that money is abundant and money loves you? And these types of things are really important. Like how are you you treating money? So then on the practical side of things, like having, I don't call it a budget. I call it um, a, a spending planner. Um, because sounds budget, nice. it sounds, it nicer. sounds nicer because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm also in financial advice. Um, the way we did things was let's reduce spending to increase investments, increase wealth. And I'm not for that. Like I'm so not for that. You want to increase the top line. I want to increase the top line. Yep. And sometimes that actually means increasing spending. Like I'm of the belief if I want to fly business class, I'll fly business class and that's going to make me money. Because it lifts how often my. Do you, how often do you fly business class? Lifts my vibration. Not that often. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, I flew business class to come here, actually. Yeah, but when I, when I feel, when I feel like it, I do. Mm. And to be okay with that, or like, and to, and to not think about, oh my god, this is so much money. Mm. You know, how can I afford this? Da 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 da. And to really feel into what's going to make me feel the most expansive right now, but. Within reason. And also probably within the box of what actually is in your Within money. your personal yeah. spending plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then the importance of having this personal spending plan and being clear on your cash flow. I pay myself every week. doesn't matter how much I earn, how much, because being a business owner, 
your incomes tends to be lumpy. Like you generally have like a, a bottom, like like a, a, a floor, okay. you know, of your minimum that you would be earning every month. You kind of have an idea of like, okay, this is the minimum. This is the minimum line. Um, but we also tend to have a ceiling too, right? And the, that's the, to do the, with the, that. That can do with our money beliefs. I was going to say the, it's called the hedonic treadmill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which for people who don't know that phrase, it's effectively that you, the way I understand it, and Frey, correct me if I'm wrong, is basically there's a number in mind that you kind of associate as your net worth or your ceiling and you tend to basically right. os oscillate back towards yes. that number almost subconsciously. It's like you're going to go, okay, cool. Making 250 grand a year is good enough and you mm -hmm. don't really, you, you, you sort of like basically baseline there in a Absolutely, way. Yeah. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. And it can be something that's not even conscious. Like for me, it was my subconscious. So when I was employed, I, that was my ceiling. Like I realized that that, that was my, that was the most I was ever making was as much as what I was getting as a senior financial advisor in my business. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I realized, oh, there's some beliefs happening here of like, I don't deserve to earn more because I'm not working. You know, to earn more money, you need to work harder, spend more time working. You need to be professional and like have processes and have an office and wear a suit. Like that's three what- th Three things you no longer do. They're the, all the things that I no longer <laughs> do, right? Yeah. And so these were actually subconscious beliefs that I was still holding on to, like as if I didn't deserve to earn more mm. because I wasn't working really hard for it because I'm no longer affiliated with the finance industry. And it's, I almost felt like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just giving them a big fuck you. Mm. I like, oh, here I am. I've got my own business. I'm totally unplugged from you guys. I'm teaching people how to make their own money rather than managing it for them. And it's so simple. But yet I still had this own, my own belief that, oh, I don't know if I quite deserve to be earning more than what I was earning when I was employed mm. because it's kind of too easy now. But have you pa surpassed what you were earning when you were? Yes, okay. last month. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, and let, let's talk about a little bit about your background there because mm -hmm. you were in, where were you living when you were um, in finance, if I can call it that? Yeah. Like, were you in Sydney? Where I was you? in Melbourne. You're in Melbourne. Okay. So you're in Melbourne and how did you, how did you get from Melbourne to Bali? Like what's the, yeah, yeah what's the hero's journey there? So like a lot of people, yeah. well, I think <laughs> it's a lot of people, I, I had this like burning desire to, to, to do something more and experience more, to, to be more. I just knew that there was more. Were you, were you in Melbourne basically commuting uh, every day to an office and you were expected to be there from whatever, eight Correct. in the morning till six in the night or whatever yeah. it was? Spot okay. On. Yeah. All right. Got it. Yeah. And you're wearing a suit Yeah. and you're whatever in your twenties mm -hmm. and basically, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, like done just thing, grinding. Gone, gone to uni yeah. and then um, got an internship and my boss there very much always, I only worked with men. I only had men in the office always. And if there was a woman, she'd be like the token HR or the admin assistant yeah. Yeah. or the receptionist. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I found myself in this really like masculine world and, um, and for those who aren't familiar, Australia is fairly masculine in general, in terms of like, there's right. a bit of like, you know, outback attitude and yes. your dad, from what you've told me about him, he's quite masculine. He's teaching you how to box, he's teaching. Yeah. Like there's right. And yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. runner, but interestingly, he's also 
he's an art. He's he's kind of an artist. He's got some. Okay. He's got some of the feminine flow. Okay. And but I think it's not expressed. Okay. Which causes him some disease. Angst. Yeah. Um, and you know that that's part of the thing that I, I part of the the issue that I saw is that um, you know we're we're taught to be a certain way, mm. and that doing and being productive that's how you become a value. Mm. So I started to do ultra marathon mm. running because I had this desire of like which is running like a hundred. 100 miles at a time, right? Yeah. I yeah. haven't done 100 miles, but 100 kilometers, um, 100 kilometers. in the mountains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And because I, I desired to like push my, I wanted to see what was there, like what's at the edge. Um, and I did a lot of track too and cross country and got really into running because I liked the discipline of it. I found that there was freedom in the discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And same with yoga. Like I, I started to get into yoga and I started with Bikram, which is kind of the most intense one. And then did a yoga teacher training while I was still in corporate. And this whole other world sort of opened up slowly. It took its time, um, you know, with the running, the yoga. And then I remember sitting at my desk one day thinking, I wish I'd get cancer. So I had an excuse to get out of here. So I could get out of here. Like not not terminal. Yeah. Just something that but would just put me something home. that will just I just need something. I need something to get me the fuck out of here. Mm. Because I know right now I'm just comfortable. Like I've got I'm earning good money. Like I've got a great friends. Nice place to live. Got a nice place to live. Like fight club almost. It's like I just need so- I need something. Mm-hmm. And I thought the old the running the ultra marathon running would kind of get, you know, that's, that would be enough to satiate it, but it didn't. Mm, good work. Um, and I would travel often and I would go and I'd party like extreme partier. You know, I'm, I, I'm not insured anymore. So I'd take cocaine and like, I would <laughs> just like, I like, you know, I would party all weekend, like mm. on huge benders. And to me that felt there was freedom in that because mm. in those, in those moments there was like, Nothing else mattered. I didn't need to be productive. It was, it felt like I was connected with other people, mm. whether I was, I wasn't, I don't know, but I, that's what I felt like at the time, mm. you know, getting like wild and dirty and like raw. And that's what I wanted. Like the rawness, you know, the realness and the rawness. It felt so fake. Mm. All of it, mm. everything that I, everything that I did. Mm. Um, and I'm glad I didn't get cancer. <laughs> But what did happen was it just eventuated that I was like, I can't take it anymore. I'm going traveling. But of course, I, di- I couldn't just go traveling. I needed a goal because I was very goal orientated. So I decided, okay, I'm going to cycle with my partner from Phuket to Bangkok. Okay. How with, far is that? Um, about 800 kilometers. kilometers. Okay. Mm-hmm. With all our luggage on our bikes. And I was like, yes, that's something that I, that's something I could do. I, I was actually wanted to run. Originally, but my partner has um, torn his ACL a few times from fighting. So not like street fighting, but like martial arts. Um, So we decided to cycle. And I, it's so funny because it wasn't until six months after I'd left and we'd we'd done the trip that I really softened in to like not being productive that it's okay not to do things. I was even making YouTube videos at the time of like our travels 
And I would, I'd be like, I have to do this. I have to do this. There has to be some kind of work product that comes out of There's this. There's got to yeah, be some something. Kind of something productive. There's yeah. got to be something productive coming out of this. And um, yeah, it took me a long time to really like soften in, in and find some space. And what we, year? What year was this? Um, this was 2017. No, so, 2016. So roughly three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And we moved to Joburg for six months in South Africa and my partner was working there and I was like, like kind of like a housewife and I had all this time and all this space. I'm like, wow, I need to fill it with stuff. So I did a plant-based nutrition um, course. I did the Seeds of Life chef training in Bali during that time as well. And um, I got a call from a girlfriend of mine who had a financial advice firm and they worked with millennials. Okay. And she's like, what are you going to do now? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not going to go back into finance. I don't want to have a boss. I don't want to work in an office. I knew the things that I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she was like, ah, you know, that's a shame. I would love for you to come and work with us. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And then at the same time, I had another guy. She's, She's in Melbourne. She, yeah, she was based in Melbourne yeah. and then I had another, another advisor also contact me, um, who had a really, really amazing firm, um, really loved him and their team. And he was also asking me, come to Melbourne, come and work for us. And it was kind of that pivotal moment of trusting mm. and saying no. And this is, you know, part of mani- like if you if you believe in manifestation is you get kind of these tests of are you prepared to say no if it's not quite right? Mm. Or are you going to go back into that old pattern of mm. saying yes to things that are not not quite right mm. for you? Mm. Um, so I said no to both of those and I just trusted. And then I had a, another call from my girlfriend um, who had the firm for millennials and she said, look, I've spoken to our investors and we're going to change the whole structure of our company so we can work together hmm. as a team. So you don't have a boss. You get your license under us. We'll give you a team, an admin assistant, a power planner. You'll have a psychologist. You can speak to speak to about your clients. You'll have a sales coach. Hmm. Um, you don't need to do anything. We just split the membership fees. Okay. Yeah, we don't do commissions. That's in Australia, such a, that's, or that's such a, a dirty, word, dirty word, you know, in Australia Okay. <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, the fees. Okay. And so I started to do that and I did it for a year and it was amazing. Like I got to work with people that I actually wanted to work with young people and I got to make a difference with cash flow and like simple investments and educating people on personal finance and on personal finance. And it was more than that. It was coaching was involved. So it just naturally happened that they'd, they get, they get coaching sessions every year and they could book in a session with me whenever they wanted. I mean, you didn't, you, you didn't necessarily need to go back to Melbourne to do this. You were doing this online. Okay. Yeah. So I could work from wherever I wanted. Yeah. I remember the first time I had my first coaching session booked and I was like, how do I be a coach? Like, what do I do? And Googling, like, what do I do? And like reading, you know, the, the strategy of like being a coach of like, these are the steps and to listen and da, da, da. And I was so, I wasn't even listening to what they were saying because I was so focused on like making sure that I showed up in a certain way, that I, I showed up professionally, that I gave them the right answers. 
So I was still in that paradigm. Like I had, I had quite a lot of stuff to shift, you know. Um, and eventually I left the business because she, my, my girlfriend left her and her partner would, got a divorce and he took over the business you and didn't, he, you didn't want to be in I it. wasn't aligned so much with him yep. and the way he did things. So he, as soon as I pretty much, when I found out, um, he posted this video to all of us, all of the advisors, there are about five of us. And as soon as I was watching him, I was like, no, nah. hmm. no. Nah. And I just, I've really learned to trust like my intuition. Mm. And so I gave him a call and like, look, I'm going to um, transition out. I had no idea what I was going to do. That same day I made a call. Um, how, how does it work in Australia? Are you able mm -hmm. to take the people who've been working with you, with you to another advisory right. or, or you have to be, are they tied yeah. to the advisory? So this firm, the, the deal was, the other thing that about this, this, this deal was, yeah, it was amazing, but I didn't own the clients. Yeah. Okay. So I just so left stay everything. with the advisory. Yeah. So I'd. I mean, I'd created like, I'd created over a few hundred thousand dollars in recurring revenue in that year, reoccurring, not even the on, not even the upfront. And so I just left that. Yep. Left all that. And I, it was another moment Pissed. where I was like, <laughs> what am even, you know, I, I did, we did do insurances and we do take commission from insurances. So I had like quite a bit of commission coming through the next month. And I was like, okay, do I wait for that to come through? And I'm like, no, just cut, just do it and trust that it will, that it will work out. And so that day, you know, I'm all for listening to your, to these pings that come through. Mm. I call this person or reach out to that person or go and chat to that person without even being rational about why, what's the reason, what's going to be the result, just to do it because I trust that. It, amazing things often will come from it. So let me ask you one thing here, mm. because I, I often hear something along these lines, and mm. I want to, I want to make a point, which is, you, you were, you, you have a partner, you're in a relationship, you probably also had money saved. No. You did not have money saved. No. Okay, so you were gambling. You're at the, let's call it the 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 blackjack table mm -hmm. of life, and you have no cash w by which to play with mm -hmm. and yet you still rolled the dice yeah okay i'd spend a Those lot of two my two analogies I'd blending pretty together. much everything traveling okay um and then within that year that i'd we'd moved back into melbourne okay and there was like you know we had a i had a like a lot of the way that i lived quite expensive yeah in that sense and i, I had a bit I had a bit, but not enough to be like, not enough runway to last me a year or anything. I had enough runway to last me maybe six months. Okay. So yeah, I, I had enough. Okay. Um, you weren't on the street, in I other words, but you yeah. weren't like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is people use that as a roadblock. That's an excuse I, I find often. Like, what is enough? You know, there's it's always going to be more. And to even dive into those fears. So what if you lost everything? Yeah, that would suck. It would suck, but yeah. you'd be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You would be okay. And there would be something that, I mean, Richard Branson, like he's gone bankrupt so many times. But you're, you're, I mean, you're in finance, you know, about mitigating or at least managing risk and knowing what your risks are. And so there's sometimes that you take a calculated risk. Absolutely. Because there's different variations Absolutely. and flavors of yeah. risk, right? So I wouldn't yeah. go and tell like my clients, <laughs> I don't go and say to them, hey, quit your job today. Yeah. Um, I would say start some start your side the side hustle yep. and then transition slowly. But for me, I was very clear on like I knew like I I knew that I could easily get clients. 
Like I had that belief and I'd seen that over the last, you know, year of working for this other firm. Oh, you've I, done it twice. You've done it previous done it as well. Yeah. I knew yeah. that I was like really great at what I knew that I was an expert at yeah. what I did. So I had, you know, total faith. Like I was like, I know this is going to be okay. And that very day, yeah, I call, I had a ping to like speak to um, someone who'd contacted me a few months before. They wanted to work together, but the offerings that we had didn't fit with what they wanted. So I called them up and I said, hey, I'm starting my own thing. I'm not able to give investment advice, but I can do even better than that. I can teach you how to manage your own investments, teach you how to manage your own money, but it's going to take you putting in some work at the start because I'm not going to do it for you. And they were like, yep, sold. Mm. And so I, I mean, that very first day, um, you know, I'd made three and a half thousand dollars just from one five minute phone call. Mm. And I was like, okay. There's something it's here. Gonna, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be okay, okay to do this. And it felt really good to be able to move freely and to um, actually the best thing about it, there are many good things, but is not having meetings put in my calendar that were bullshit meetings that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> Mm. like staff meetings you mm. know it's like I just loved having my freedom mm. and that's one of my biggest values and um you know ev- pretty much everyone everyone's value is you know freedom is it's top and then it's love mm, I think you and I were talking prior to the recording mm-hmm. about safety being important for some people right. yeah. yeah I don't know I think Bali or Ubud in particular draws people who they really oscillate towards freedom I don't yeah. know if that's true with everyone with else, let's call it. I'd yeah. be really interested to actually do, like, find out more about that. Yeah. yeah. Is it just the people that I know? Um, yeah. I, I just, I probably imagine that you, it's like a sample size question where you're not coming across people whose totally. safety is their yeah, primary yeah, motivator. Yeah. I mean, but when I think about my friends back home, yeah. they're very safety, safety orientated. But is that, does that make them feel happy i don't know i don't know and i'm wondering if it's because they don't they're not looking at the freedom the funny thing about safety is that it's just a facade like mm, it's a false it's a false yeah like the, you know the the people who um uh who worked in the twin towers mm. you know they thought oh yeah i've got a secure safe job i've got my insurance i've got you know income coming each every every week and they didn't know that on that day they were going to get, hit, were by, gonna get hit, hit, by, hit by an airplane. Hit by an airplane. Yeah. You know, safety is is an illusion and um, it helps us to feel grounded. But it's kind of like, group, you know, like we're grouping onto something. It's also like in relationships too, mm. you know, mm. like these boundaries that we put in place to make us feel safe. Mm. Like, okay, you, you know, like a traditional relationship. All right. Well, the rules are you're not able to... Well, everyone has different rules, but you're not only able to sleep with anyone else. Maybe it's you're not allowed to even flirt with anyone else. Maybe it's like you're not even allowed to have friends of the opposite sex. We put these in place to make ourselves feel safe. But in reality, our partner could go down the street, go and order a coffee, fall in love with the checkout chick. You know, it doesn't... There's some gorgeous girls serving coffee too, by the way. There absolutely are. Right? I mean, you just, you just never, you, you don't know. And I feel like safety is, it's scary to release that yeah. safety. Yeah. Um, but fuck, it feels good when you just re- step into that fear and like, hey, it's going to be okay. If your partner leaves you, it's going to be okay. 
If you lose everything, it's th- going to be okay. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a there's a distinction there, which is you have um, you two might agree on certain guardrails in a relationship, and they're not necessarily yes the por- the part of them or the point of them I should say is safety, but also it's an agreement. It's not as if yes. they're imposed from the top down, right? You two have talked about right. it. This is what you've mm-hmm. said is works for both yeah. of you. Um, right. That's the, li- that gives you a sense of safety, but it's a sense of safety that comes from, it's actually a spoken. But interestingly, yeah. a lot of the time relationships do come from top down. It comes from what society says and you don't even talk about it. Yes. It's just all of a sudden one of you is like, Oh, I'm going to go and meet, meet with my friend, Sarah. Yeah. And then your girlfriend's like, who's Sarah? Yeah. Like, oh, she's a friend. What? Yeah. You can't go meet with it. And you're like, whoa, because you have different ideas. Yeah. And so what's actually happened is it has come from top down. Yeah. Like you've never actually agreed upon it. Or there's, un- there's unspoken expectations. There's unspoken expectations. Yeah. My partner yeah. and I, um, in the January this year, we decided to actually open our relationship. And because we were like, well, who made these rules? Like, is the, are these the rules that we've been living in? Mm. Are these the ones that suit our relationship best? So we opened our relationship and we were very, like, we had weekly meetings about, like, who are we talking to? What was going on? How are we feeling? And um, we got a relationship coach as well. So we were, like, all fun. Like, we, we just wanted to be as supported as possible. Maybe this was another <laughs> illusion of safety. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And we, we did have an agree- agreements in place with like what we spoke about and it, we had everything. You're 12 months into it now. No, we, we closed it. Okay. Because of this. <laughs> okay. Because um, probably about in July, we closed it down and we decided that. Didn't work for the two of it you. It didn't work for us. Yeah. But how great is it that we actually, we've designed our own relationship. It mm-hmm. wasn't just like okay, well, this is what you're meant to be doing. We've like went and explored the different boundaries or the, the agreements and like this is what's gonna, this is what's working for us best now. And maybe that will change again in the future. But to actually go and explore for yourself, like if you do want to create, you know, safety or you want to create, create agreements, then rather than just doing what you think you should do or what someone told you is the right way to instead to go and to have the courage to open those agreements yeah. up and go and explore that. Yeah. For a little while. And then maybe it, maybe it does look like, you know, you think you want to um, have your own business and maybe you go and explore that and you're like, actually, you know what? I really enjoy getting the weekly salary. That feels really good for me. It gives me time to spend with my family. Then do that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but like, don't do the things you think you should do because you've been told that. Yeah. And, and we, we often hear that being said and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But really like, Think about how it impacts every day of your life, your relationships, the way you eat, the way you sleep, mm. the way you communicate, the what you wear, mm. everything. And so what have you found to basically snap people out of – so uh, let, let me paint, paint it a different way. So mm. you, you imagine you're traveling along and you know that you want to make a shift, but you're not really sure where to start that shift. Mm. Um and I'll tell a personal story, which was like, I, I was in a relationship and it, I, I knew it wasn't ideal. We'll call it that. Um, and I didn't really have the courage to end it. And I went and did a series of things that were quite challenging, bungee jumping, some other like very, um, things that caused me to sort of stretch a courage muscle. And then I came back and we ended the relationship and it was, we ended it on, well, we ended the relationship. And so, but it was due to, kind of having the courage 
from another facet of life, which then transmuted itself yeah. over to the, to having this difficult conversation. So for someone who says, okay, cool. Like, I know I want to make a shift. Mm -hmm. Where do they start? Like, what's you the activity so that they perfectly. do? Yeah. Is it like, it's, you know, we look at things like even in, you know, the introduction of me, it's like, okay, wealth, health, um, food, but everything's the same. Like the underlying substructure is the same. The underlying substructure is the same. It's not what we do, but it's who we are mm. and who who we are in each moment rather than like who we are when we're in a relationship, who we yeah. are when we're in business. And so if you can like list, like go into what scares you, yeah. In, it's like start small, like you did. Although bungee jumping scares the shit out of me. To me, that's big. <laughs> it was very scary. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was. It was, and we did it a couple times mm -hmm. on that trip, and it was every time Ooh. I didn't really like it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's not my vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're. I mean, as 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 a woman, you were. Mm -hmm. You're a woman who has quite a bit of courage. Mm -hmm. I think probably more than the um, than the average woman that I know. So how how do you cultivate it, or what is it that you attribute that to? Right. Is it due to your upbringing? Is it due to some like because um, a lot of what you're talking about is due to you having the courage to basically say no right. or to have difficult conversations. It's a few things. The first is I would say discipline. Okay. And to have self-discipline. Have self-discipline. Yeah. And have the dis have disciplines in your life that allow you to get to know yourself. So whether it's like, and for sure, you know, like you listen to all you know su successful entrepreneurs, and they will say, "Oh, morning routine so important," and it's absolutely imperative to have like a space for you in the morning where you're not reminding, you know, Joe Spencer talks about this. You're not reminding yourself of who you were yesterday and day before today before by picking up your phone, by mm. having a coffee, by reading the newspaper, then you're going into the same patterns, getting triggered again. And instead in the morning to have space for you to become who you decide to be and who you want to be and to build up. Well, let me, let me make a distinction there because mm. you just described two different things. One of them, which is you have a morning routine, mm -hmm. but the morning routine is more of a conscious morning routine as opposed to going back to the default of Correct. checking the phone right, or whatever. That's not um, a routine. Yeah. That's a, that that's, is a routine, but it's one that habits. puts you back okay. into. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. All right. So let's say a ritual okay. rather than a routine. Yeah. So people should have morning rituals effectively. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, which are consciously chosen. And, and I think, and I really do believe it's important to do something every day that's, that create, that requires discipline. So whether it's a shtanga or whether it's, um, going running or whatever it might be, like having something that is difficult mm. and getting used to feeling uncomfortable and being okay with feeling uncomfortable and actually finding the space in that. Because when we go into the outside world, there's so much shit going on. Like there's energy, there's like sounds, there's people, there's like things are going wrong with our business or whatever it might be. Yep. And if you can't even, if you can't even have your own morning ritual yep. um, where you've created it yourself yep. and you're, you're unable to even like stick through a practice, yep. then how are you going to manage to get through your day when in a way you that's, step the the way the, that's into the larger world? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, so like um, you're in a relationship, you've got a partner. How do you maintain morning routines when he's around mm -hmm. and you know, let's assume that you and him are, I don't know, you're on different schedules or he likes to do certain mm -hmm. things in the morning. And so how, mm -hmm. yeah, how do you handle yeah. that? Yeah. Well, this is important, right? Yeah. Is also to have people in your life 
who were supportive and they uplift you and they help to expand you. And my partner also has rituals in the morning. So we have Which our, are separate from yours. We have our separate things. Yeah. So you all, you're like, just run me through. You wake mm-hmm. up in the morning, you basically like, we're not going to talk to each other for the first yeah. two hours. Like you don't exist. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We wake up. I mean, maybe sometimes we'll make love in the morning. Yeah. And I'm all for that. It's also, you know, about not being like, if something great and oppo- great opportunity is happening or you're feeling like to also be in flow, but then to go into your morning ritual and then okay. to do the things. <laughs> I never miss my morning ritual. Even if I'm getting up for like 5 a.m. for a plane, I will I I will wake up an hour or two hours earlier than that. So you have the time for so it. So I can have time for it. You know, mm-hmm. have like the bare minimum um, at least to do the things. But and so then in order to honor that time, what do you do? You move things the night before. You basically like you're with friends. That's seven o'clock at night. You're like, I got a flight yeah, the next morning. Absolutely. I got to go. My priority is me. <laughs> my priority is always me above any kind of social event, above my partner, above my business, above my family. It's always me. Mm. And even though that might sound like, oh, that's narcissistic. Yeah, that's narcissistic. Yeah. Oh, that's selfish. Yeah, tiresome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but. If you're not, if your first priority is not yourself, Mm -hmm. you can't go filling up other people's cups if you haven't filled up your own, if you're not grounded in yourself. You can feel it when someone's with you and they're exhausted and they want to be somewhere else or they've got stuff going on. It doesn't feel good. That energy is not one that's a high vibration that's going to... um, that's going to translate or transmute into change for other people. They're, They're better off going home Having going and being in their own space and just giving, going to bed, just going to bed. <laughs> like you don't need to be here. You don't need to just be there, go to bed. Yeah, right. Yeah, and this is you know part of. I mean, it's very different here in Ubud, but the culture in um, Melbourne and the US is like, oh, there are things that we should do and have to do. Or what about somebody says you should just tough it out? That oh. you made a commitment. You this is somebody's birthday party. It's important. And oh. it's a friend of yours birthday party and you're and you say, I can't be there mm-hmm. because I have a flight the next morning and they're like, I'm crushed. I'm yeah. crushed that you didn't come. Well, maybe get some new friends. <laughs> really? <laughs> I would say, you know, my the people in my life, yep. we all understand each other. I like if we have plans and I'm like, Hey, hey babe, you know, I'm really tired tonight. I just want some time in. My friend will be like, Yeah, sure. Cool. Hmm. And to, you know, get rid of this like oh, we have to do this and we have to do that. Otherwise, it means we don't love each other. I think what really is like is love and support is to be like, do what feels good for you and absolutely like show up when your friend, like if your friend is calling you like constantly and they need you all the time and you're their crutch, like I would look at that. But if it's like once every now and and now and again and you want to be there, then go there. And do that. I just, I think there's a distinction, which is when you say, do what feels good for you, you do a lot of things that don't necessarily feel good for you. Ashtanga night might not necessarily feel good for you. An ultra marathon doesn't point. necessarily feel mm-hmm. good for you. So I think there needs to be. So what feels expansive for you? So okay. I often think if I don't know what decision to make, how yeah. will I feel after the fact? Got it. Okay. So if it's like going to the birthday party, how am I going to feel after the fact? Am I going to feel really great that I went and I showed face and that I got to see my friends? Or am I going to feel really pissed off and resentful at my friends because I feel like they made me, that they made me feel bad about being there, even though that's all your own shit. But how are you going to feel about it afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. And to tap into that and then from that decide, okay, actually this is, this is the right 
decision for me. It's like, yeah, Stanger and running ultra marathons feels shit. Yeah. And but afterwards, I mean, look, after ultra marathon, you don't feel physically great after running like 24 hours. Um, but wow, like you just you 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 have this uh, this courage inside for of sure. you. For sure, yeah, yeah. You push yourself to the edge. You know, yeah, you push you, yourself you, to the edge. You stretch the rubber band, find out how far absolutely. it goes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that's expansive to me. That's expansive. For some mm. people, it might not be. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think there's no like right or wrong. There's no like, you know, your answer to that question might be different to my answer because what makes me feel expansive might be different from what makes you feel expansive. My, 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 I go at it in a different way. I'm, I'm basically, I come at it from a philosophical perspective of like, how would I want, if the situation were reversed, if it was my birthday and this person calls me up and cancels at the last minute and tells me that they're tired, I would feel I would be upset, so I wouldn't necessarily want to do that to someone else. And that that's a bit of the golden rule where I would say, like to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's not. I think there's a a place for expansiveness, but I also think that if you strictly orient yourself around expansiveness as being your one litmus test for making decisions, you're going to wind up. Um, it's like too narrow in a way. It doesn't take mm -hmm. into account other people. Yeah, I totally get that. And I see that and I feel that and I disagree with it <laughs> fully. Why, why do you disagree with it? Um, because you're talking about fairness. I'm talking about treating someone else as I would want to be treated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, everybody has a different scale of what's important to them. So, um, you know, let's say we all went out, we went out for dinner. Yep. And there was 10 other people there. Yep. And the chef brought the same thing for everybody. Yep. The same portion, the same the same dish. You might be like, oh, this is amazing. I love fish. I'm going to be like, I hate fish. I'm, I'm plant-based. Someone else is going to be like, oh, this is too much food. Someone else is going to be like, oh, this is not enough. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a different idea mm -hmm. about what feels good, like what, what, what feels good for them. They've got mm -hmm. a, a, a different scale. Mm -hmm. So if we're going around being like, okay, well, I must do what other people, I must do to others what I would like done for myself. Yep. That person might not give a shit if you go to their birthday party or not. Like, yeah. So then you're putting your you're, own whoa, ideals on them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Because just because they don't give a shit, mm -hmm. it, I still know that I would give a shit. Right, okay. Then that's like, if you're, if you're doing it from a place of rather than like, oh, because... I would hate it if somebody canceled on me. That'd be like, yeah, so I don't want to cancel on somebody else. Right, yeah. But Whether be, or not that person cancels, like they can, they can operate as they choose to operate. Mm -hmm. Just for me, I think it's, you need it to be self-referential because if it's, so the chef example of that you have different, you know, 10 different people mm -hmm. at the table and they all have the same, the same food choice. Um, I, I'm going to guess that your point with that is that they should, they should have all optimized for what it is that they wanted to eat. Now, what if they do that and it results in, they're not actually able to eat at the same restaurant. So for instance, you have one person mm -hmm. who's like, I strictly eat meat. Mm -hmm. The other person's like, I'm only right. plant. Like, yeah. Then you never reach right. any kind of consensus. And this actually is what <laughs> this actually is what happens. Yeah. Like this exact example, yeah. I, know I was using it like more of a um, analogy. Yeah. But in a practical world, yeah. this is actually happens. I mean, we have a lot of students that come through who are going plant based, and they can't that they're no longer able to eat out with family and friends. 
They choose not to. They choose not to. Yeah. Based on their new, based on their um, their new values. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's difficult, and sometimes mm. it does mean, um, not necessarily cutting people, but it does mean creating a different space for yourself that is supportive. Because if we're constantly, if we're if we're trying to fit in to how we think we should be and what the people around us want us to be, mm-hmm. then we're never going to transform. Sure. I understand your point. Is that basically is that like you're going to be so constrained by whatever this box is that you're already in that you're right. never going to be able to break yeah. out of it, like, right? Like, oh, I'll eat. Oh, it's my mom's birthday. So I'm going to go, I'll go to the steak restaurant and I'll, and I'll eat a, I'll, I'll eat a salad. I mean, yeah, do that. That's possible. Yep. Right? So there's always, you know, you can always, you, there's generally flexibility, but if it's like every night, yep. you know, your your family go out for dinner and they have steak. Yep. And you don't want to do that. Yep. Then don't do that. Yep. And go That's and an create ex- new space for yourself. Okay. And some, it can be really painful because we let go of people we love. We're not, but we're not letting go with them in the sense that we don't love them anymore. We're no longer... You're just going to see them in a different context. We're just going to see them in a different context. Yeah. And the thing is, even if we try and go back yeah. to going to the steak restaurant and eating the steak, yeah. we're not going to feel good about it anymore yeah. because we've changed. And so then we're just, then we're resisting ourselves, and we're going to cause toxicity within ourselves. So it's like recently, right? Well, let me, let me make a counterpoint mm-hmm. to that. So let's assume that you decide you're no longer going to go to the steakhouse with your family and you do it because you believe that doing so causes toxicity in your body. Now, Mm -hmm. the counterpoint to that is you say, okay, cool. We also know that it's important to be social and that it's important as humans to be around people that you care about and X, Y, Z. And so you're no longer doing this. Mm -hmm. Black and white, but now you're no longer in an environment where you're around your family. So is that, that hasn't that caused more toxicity? No, because what happens is when you say no to things, Yeah. There is this moment where it feels dark and it's like, what have I done? Mm-hmm. Like when you break up with somebody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like, shit, did I make the right decision? Oh my God, I'm going to be alone forever. They were like a really nice person and sure. da, 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 all this sure. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. And there is this moment where you're like, fuck, maybe I'll call them back. And then you have some space and then you see that because you said no, you have space now other things to enter into your life that are aligned. But if you don't say no and you're constantly doing what you always did, then you don't make space for new friends and new, new people to enter into your life. Like I was talking to a guy yesterday. I mean, this is quite extreme. And one of his friends is a um, liquid, liquidarian, liquidarian. I don't know what that means. Explain that. Anyway, I'm just shaking my head. (laughs) He just drinks juice. Doesn't eat food. Okay. And for this guy, he like feel it's been like a few years, and he feels amazing. He like has tons of energy. Um, he lights up rooms, but his family, of course, don't support it. They don't support it. They think he's wacky. They think he's lost the plot. So naturally, you know, it's like, okay, what am I going to do? It's like, am I am I going to save face? And when I see them. I'll do what they want me to do, but it's not going to feel good for me. What is it they want him to do? They want him to eat a. They want him to uh, eat. They eat meat and potatoes with them. Yeah. Okay, so that's an extreme. Right. 
to me, the middle ground could be, why doesn't he take his juice with him to while he goes right. to see the family? Right. But yeah. the thing is, the family will have a go at him. Why okay. are you drinking that juice? Okay. Aren't you going to eat something? Look okay. how skinny you are. Okay. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, I mean, even my dad does this to me and I eat with him, but he'll always be, look how skinny you are. I'm like, dad, I'm the same as what I've always been. It's a, you know, the, uh, it's how our parents want us to be, how our family wants us to be sure. because they want to keep us safe. Sure. They're not trying to hurt us. They're not trying to be, they're not trying to be mean. They really just want to keep us safe because it's how they've kept themselves safe. And so their subconscious beliefs are coming through. Okay, you must eat food to be healthy. And that come that belief comes through. And they look at him and they think, we love you. You must eat food to be healthy. And that doesn't fit with his paradigm. I just, I think that, let me interject here. Because mm -hmm. I just think that there's a part which is, it's a lack of communication. And you wind up with these very right. bipolar, very mm -hmm. binary choices. So you basically come with... Like, whoever this guy is, let's assume that he's not very comfortable just being like, look, this is what it works for me. You all don't have to like it, but I'm not going to necessarily um, eat what you want me to eat. But I want to be here with you all, so I'm going to bring my own food, right? right? That's the middle ground. And to have that difficult conversation, as opposed to just – because the, 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 the there's a very um, – I want to call it, it's like a dark thread to basically be like, I'm just not going to go see the family at all because totally. I don't want to have that difficult conversation, right? And totally. I think that's the wrong strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Like, okay. absolutely communicate. Yeah. And, and like, have the hard communicate, like the hard yeah, talk. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what's going down for yeah. me. This is who I'm going to, this, I'm still the same person. I mean, they're probably not, but I still love I'm you. I'm still in the family. I'm I want to be here. I want to be here. I yeah. love you. But the thing is, sometimes that, it doesn't matter if you say that. Mm. I mean, it's great that you said that. And all mm. you can do is like show up and be the best version of yourself, irrespectively of if that's going to be received or not. Mm. And I do think absolutely it's so important to have that conversation first before being like, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm no longer going to be showing up for you guys because you don't really feel great. Um, to like first. Because you just keep picking at me about it. Like we just need to change topics, right? Right. Let's talk about rugby or whatever. I don't know. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. At least go, go into that. Yeah. But from my experience, yeah. that doesn't work. Right. You've I mean, had difficult maybe conversations. Maybe 50% of the time. Like with, <laughs> with family who are very stuck. Yeah. Um, particularly family. Yeah, you know, sure. It doesn't, it doesn't always work. And so then it's a like, okay. But there's an old axiom, which is mm -hmm. God gives you family to teach you how to get along yes. with people you wouldn't choose to associate Absolutely. with, right? And Absolutely. I think it's an, it's an art form to basically be like, mm -hmm. I don't really like this person right. and I wouldn't spend time with right. them, but right. blood's thicker than water, as you talked about before we got on the show. Yeah, which yeah. is in interesting as well because, you know, it's still our choice, right? If you mm. don't want to hang out with your family, you don't have to. Mm. Like, there's no rule. There's, like, throw out the rule books. Mm. Like, do it if it feels good, if mm. it doesn't feel good. And when I say feel good, okay, yep, expansive. If, like, you're like, you know, my family are toxic as fuck. They're, like, draining me. They're always asking for money. They're always having a go at me or whatever it might be. You don't need to hang out with them. You know, I have a, like, my sister, um, she's, she's had a lot of problems. She's a heroin addict. She's been in and out of hospital, um, eating disorders, and I could have gone in, and I, I did at some stage of like, I want to help you. Mm. I want to be there for you. I want to help you get better. It Was she asking you for that? 
She asks because I believe she thinks she should be asking, but she doesn't actually want to get better. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is the same with my, with my dad and her mom. Um, then I was like, oh, she doesn't want to get better. And it's draining on her for people to, to be asking. To keep, to keep People keep asking her, oh, are you okay? You know, she's whole as she is. Let her be that way. If she wants to do that, let her do it and love her fully for it rather than trying to fix and change everybody. That's her journey. Mm. And so, wow, what a release that was for mm. me to be like, oh, that's not my responsibility to fix her or change her, to, to see her whole. And same with family or parents that are difficult, um, to see them as whole and not want to fix them, even if they don't understand, even if they, their paradigm is, is quite narrow and they think there's just one way to do things, to love them and see them as whole, but you don't need to hang around with them all the time. I don't need to, and same with my sister, like I don't need to hang around with her all the time. I'm there for her if she wants me to be there, but she has sent me an abuse, like she wants, I, um, I had some money put aside for her and I said to her she can use it for, you know, any a kind of a program or anything she wants to do that's going to like um, support her or give her some joy. And she came back and she said she wanted it for some sur okay. sur surgery, <laughs> okay. but um, cosmetic surgery. She had like uh, piercings in her ear and she wanted to close them. And I'm like, no, it's not for that. You know, I, and when You're still that, the guardian of the funds, right? It's not yeah. a blank ticket. Yeah. Or a yeah. blank check. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, she sent me this super abusive email and I was like, you know, I'm not a space for that. I'm not going to read these. Um, and when you're ready to send love, mm. I'll be open for that. And that's it, closed. And I think it's important to control your own space, you know, to, to not let people like come in and just hijack it and be like, you're wrong for eating the way you do or what's wrong with you, you're weird or you need to do this for me. And instead to be like, nope, I'm, I control my space. Yeah. I get to say no. It's the same. I mean, on social media, it's the same, right? You get to block out the haters. You get to block. Delete the comments if you want to delete the comment. Block the people you want to block. If you want to engage, engage and have some fun with it. But do it out of a place of love, not from a place of like, oh, um, like a place that you're trying to defend yourself. So I, one thing I'm picking up from you is I imagine you're very good at setting boundaries. Probably better than most. Yes. Yeah. Why is that? Because a lot of what you're talking about is you basically defining boundaries. And if it's freedom that's the driver, that's the reason that you're doing it, that's that that, that could be, but you're very good at it. So what is the what's the secret sauce there? Um, you basically just don't put up with uh, stuff you don't want to put up with. But why? Yeah. Yeah, because I think you know, it's it's interesting because the the things that we had to do as children, like mm. who we had to become as children, mm. the lesson as as we as we move through life is actually the opposite of that. So, um, let me uh, let me give you an example. So, one of my one of my I had a few and it kind of seems juxtaposed, but one of mine was, okay, my parents went around a lot. My dad, my dad left when I was quite young. 
I lived with my mum. She worked two jobs. We lived in a share house. It was like she wasn't. It, it was very different from like, you know, my my friends. White picket fence with two yeah, parents. Nothing and, like you know, that. Yeah. Um, so I learned. I had to learn how to be independent. And from an early age. From an early age. You're like the boy named Sue, that Johnny Cash song. You know that song? No. Can you sing uh, it to me? Well, he basically says, you know, his dad leaves him and the and he names his son Sue and he finds him and he chases him down and he says, and the dad winds up saying, I named you Sue, basically names him Sue to give him a fire in his gut because he knew right. that he wasn't going to be around to make him tough. Okay. Yeah. And so wow. he winds up loving his dad. It's a beautiful right. song, actually. Beautiful. I can't sing it and I'm definitely not going to sing it on air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. So, so that, 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 but that was early adversity. Right. So yeah. then what happens is then I go through life and I'm like, okay, well, I need to fend for myself. I need to like be strong and tough and, you know, be independent and make money and like not ask for help. And so actually the lesson for me is to soften mm. and to ask for help mm. and to like let people in and to trust people and to be like, oh, I don't have to work so hard. And it's often the opposite of what of who we had to be mm. because we get this hardness around us. Mm. And you get rewarded for being and it helps whatever us. it was. Yeah, My, it exactly. helps us. And it's like, thank you. You know, I like to be grateful for that. Yeah, because it served me up to this point. Because it served me up to this point, but yep. it gets to a point where it's no longer there. Mm. So around the question around boundaries, I think being a child, I, I often felt like, oh, who do I have to be to be loved? I must change myself so then I can have attention. You know, like I, I must be, I must be perfect. Like when I was with my dad, I would be really quiet. He would often work and he worked as an electrician at that time. And he would take me around like on our weekends that we had together in his panel van. And that's what our time spent with each other. Like he would go to jobs and I would sit in the car and I was like, okay, I'm, you know, and I'd be quiet and mm -hmm. I'd be a good, good little girl. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, and so now that then, then even through my teenage years you know i i really wanted to just i wanted to be liked like like most people i wanted to be loved i wanted to be included and now i'm learning over the last few years oh what happens is when you start trying to be a people when you're a people pleaser mm. you lose your sense of self mm -hmm. you become vanilla in a yeah. way right mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you lose the spark you lose the spark yeah, yeah. so boundaries um, is a way for you to a wait for you to find yourself mm. and also be to be clear with others because what often can happen if you don't have boundaries, you snap and the other person's like, well, you never even told me this yeah. because you'd never communicated and you never set it out. Yeah. So it's a way for you to keep your relationships intact and in fact, like often gain more respect from that person. Yeah. And yeah. it's actually inspiring as well yeah. when you will say, like, if someone says to me, you know, actually, I don't, I'm not feeling like hanging out. Um, I really want to just spend some time alone tonight. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for telling me that yeah. and for doing that because that's inspiring for me. Yeah. And to be really, yeah, it, it allows you to really listen to yourself mm. and like, what, what, what do I need right now? And then you can also support other people much better, like mm. much more effectively, and you can be present with them. Because when you're there, you're 100%. Yeah. Yeah, you truly want to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Okay, maybe we wrap there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell people how they can find you online, and if they want to get in contact with you, how to do so. 
Okay, sure. So um, you can find me on Instagram at Freya underscore Savage underscore and Freya is spelled F-R-E-Y-A. I also have a Facebook group called Wealthy Rebels with a Cause and I often put a lot of free content up there on money mindset, um, investment education, cash flow stuff um, and it's a really great community that's, that's there and they're getting good, great good results. Good name as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're in it? No, I just like the name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and I'm also, you can also contact me on Facebook as well. And you've got a website. And I've got a website. Which is Freyasavage.com. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, it looks somewhere between, it's, I think if you go to it, you're not going to, it's not going to be what you expect for a finance site, nor is it necessarily going to be what you expect for, um, it's kind of somewhere between like a fashion-esque <laughs> Mine's it's a it's a pretty interesting uh, juxtaposition. I think it match I think it matches your personality well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Freya. Thank you. Right. Thanks so much, Brian.